Hi, this is Tony Ruggiero, the Dew Sweeper. You're listening to the Tour Coach Podcast, giving you insights into golf instruction at the highest level from on the PGA Tour to our learning center at Frederica Golf Club. All right, starting a podcast here from Bubba's Live. Uh, good group in town this weekend. Got my main man over here, Jackson K. Golf in the hizzy. We got Emilio. Emilio, say Pacifico for us. Pacifico. I uh, love it for all our <laughs> Spanish-speaking friends. Andy Ogletree, Mac Barnhart. Mac, what's up, bud? How you doing? Having a Mac Daddy. Enjoy myself. I know. We've had a few margaritas tonight. One margarita, two margaritas. So what I thought, <laughs> what I thought we'd talk about here for a little bit this evening is we've got mac we got two young professionals obviously not pro yet not pro yeah you're not a pro yet but approaching being a pro approaching right and we'll consider him emilio's a professional now he's a professional let's just talk about some of the things they're experiencing and some of the advice you'd give folks at this juncture in their career and jackson you obviously spent a ton of time with me teaching these guys down here at frederica so when you have two people like this mac what are some of the words of wisdom and advice you'd give young people about to embark and being a professional uh it's kind of like i want to help them create a home base home base meaning like they've had a high school golf coach a college golf coach they get ready to embark on a career where they're now becoming the boss and they're going to have four or five six employees a caddy an agent a cpa a trainer psychologist and you get all of this team set now, set in place now. This is what got you to this position. In case you can't tell, we're outside at Bubba's. <laughs> <laughs> there they go. New ride? <laughs> That's my new ride. <laughs> <laughs> Emilio's driving me. I'm in the sidecar. <laughs> I'm gonna wear one of them little helmets with the Dew Sweeper logo on it. But anyway, so just get things put in place now. The things that got them to this, just to get to the point of being able to say, "I'm going to play golf professionally." You've done some good things, mm-hmm. and you've created a team around you, and you're going to keep adding people to this team, and make sure that that those teams act and work together. It's like you can take the five best basketball players in the world and put them on the floor against a average group of guys that are a team they can't beat them right and so i just suggest they get all these things put in place before they step out and go at it and not start collecting them as they play so in other words don't pick your financial advisor after you make your first two million (laughs) every financial advisor tell you what you ever you want to hear go find the guy that's going to say look i'm i'm going to ride this up with you and i'll be here to advise you and do it before they want you right and create a team I think that's important. People that know you and care about you and believe in you before you before you're famous or before you're known. Andy, obviously, been a great year having won the U.S. Amateur, opened lots of doors for you. Yeah, You've played sure. three tour starts now. Yeah, three tour. Three starts. tour starts. Obviously, you got the U.S. Open coming up, the Masters in November. So it's been a crazy year. Obviously, not the year you planned after yeah, winning the yeah. Amateur. So it changed the dynamic of things, changed your plans and preparation. Talk a little bit about how you're approaching the next, I guess it's two months, and then the things you're looking forward to, what you've learned and what you're looking forward to. Yeah, I've learned a lot. Just playing professional PGA Tour events is a lot different than playing amateur events. I've learned a lot about patience and 72-hole tournament mindset rather than, you know, try to make birdie on every hole. I think college events, you can kind of get away with going at every pin, you know, 
if you short side yourself, the greens aren't fast enough to really punish yourself. But especially at Memorial, I learned that you just have to stay patient. You know, Memorial is tough. Not every hole is a birdie hole. Um, there's some holes that 16 at Nearfield Village. I mean, Phil Mickelson laid up. We talked about that the other day, and um, he's one of the best players of all time. And didn't think he could hold that green, so it kind of laid up to show that you know this is an unfair hole. But out there, sometimes that's what you get, and. Uh, I learned a lot, and I learned about patience. And I learned about not not attacking every pin. I think one of the things that we've talked about is like hold ten. I was starting my second round. I bogeyed three out of my last four the first round, and uh, kind of came out thinking I needed a good day to make the cut, and caught a flyer on the first hole of the day, hit it over the green, and made double, and was like, you know, I'm going to get this back on the next hole. I'm going to go make eagle because that's what I've done all my college career. If I have a bad hole, I'm like, I'm birdieing the next. I'm going to go eagle the next, you know, something. And uh, But on the PJ Tour, it's not like that. You know, you have – I had 17 more holes. I didn't have to make back two strokes on the next hole. I ended up hitting the creek, made another bogey that if you tell me if I make bogey on that hole, I'm like, there's no way possible, especially being in the middle of the fairway. I think I had like 245 pins. So if you tell me, you know, I'll give you $100 if you hit it right at the pin and make birdie, i probably make birdie every time. So I just have to kind of have – have that mindset going in, and uh, thank you, Abby. I think things like that are great to learn now that I'm an amateur. I'm getting to play in some of these starts as an am, learning this kind of stuff before that. I, before it's my job, and I think that I can use all the stuff that I'm learning now. Uh, whenever I do turn pro, it has, it's not finalized yet, but planning to turn pro sometime coming up after the Masters. I don't know when that'll be exactly, but you know, I think all the experience that I've gained as an amateur is just going to help me going forward. Emilio, so you've played played the amateur. Yeah. Incredibly successful Division II, right? Yeah. You're from a small town in Mexico. Say the name of it. San Miguel de Allende. I love it when he does that. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> it's just the name of it. Yeah. <laughs> the way it I like you like it. Uh, but, uh, it's pretty cool. So talk a little bit about the experience. Talk a little bit about you preparing to be a professional. Yeah. You're a professional now. And, you know, I... I think it's interesting players that have played on international teams, like you played on the Mexican national team. Yeah. How the, how has that prepared you? And and also talk about some of the things like I think it's been cool. You've had a chance to you've played with Andy a bunch down here, yeah. a bunch a lot of great players here, at Frederica to play with. For talk sure. a little bit about your preparation and your experience and what you've learned. Well, as you said, I went to a small uh, school in San Antonio, Division Two, pretty decent program. Like we played a couple of decent events. Uh, I'd say. I had a pretty good college career, right? But I'm, I think I learned a bunch in college, for sure. I learned a lot, like Andy was talking about. In college, you can get away a lot with playing a different game, you know? There's nothing really on the line yeah. in most of tournaments. And, I mean, yeah, I mean, you kind of just hit it out there and just look at the pin most of the time, and you just hit it out there, you know? Mm-hmm. You don't get penalized much, and once you get out in the bigger events in World Ams, uh, USAM, all these tournaments, they have like this vibe of being more professional style. You gotta really think out there, you know? You gotta be prepared. And that's something I really liked about that. You gotta really prepare Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday to have a really good game plan and just execute it the next few days, you know? And those events that I had to play with Mexico just prepared me so well for my professional career, I feel like. And even some some college events for sure, but like 
just the golf courses we got to play in those other events like were right. unbelievable challenge and I thought they were great for my experience overall. So Jackson, you've you've been around me a long time. You've watched these guys come through here over the last year mm -hmm. too. How have you seen them grow? How have you seen them change as they move towards being a professional? I think sharpening all the tools in the shed, right? But um, as we're out here at Bubba's. Outside. <laughs> yeah. Um, I think um, the one thing I would actually talk about, I'd turn the table and go back to what was highlighted earlier about the care. And I think bragging on what you do and how you do it, I think doing all these family dinners and team dinners and doing everything together, it's awesome how you take like a big picture look into everything both you and Mac and you understand that it's not just the golf swing right and I think what you said to Emilio today in the bay before we got to more work was probably some of the best advice he could get right about not to tinker like he's swinging it great he's got one or two things to focus on and just stay on that thing and it doesn't have to be more than that right and I think with Andy obviously he's had an incredible career and about to make another huge jump and so some of it's not the game, right? And I think it's just paving the way and creating stress-free environments for him outside of golf so that he can get on the tee and pull the trigger and not have to worry about anything else. So, Mac, you've been around a long time, not because you're old. I mean, you're not old, but I'm just saying you've been doing it a long time. Yeah, he's calling you old. I'm old. So, you know, I always look at, like, I look at things now, and I always try to look at, when I'm coaching these guys, I think about the things that I didn't do as good with young other guys that sure. I had coming up. Sure. And, and I try to warn, and that's why when I talked to Emilio earlier, I was like, hey, I've been around guys, and I've seen where we tinker too much, right? And it's easy when you're around a guy all the time to always try to fix them. What are some of the things that you've seen, that mistakes that people make when they're going through this phase that you've learned from watching them? that you try to, you know, not tell people don't do this, but you kind of warn them. Oh, gosh. Okay. I, I liken golf, professional golf, to like climbing Mount Everest. Okay, you never, base camp is at 26,000 feet. Most people have never been at 26,000 feet. There's no air there. That's just base camp. And then when you start climbing Mount Everest, you go to, you go to camp one, and then you come back down, and you acclimate, and then you go to camp two, you acclimate, and you come back to base, and you go back to camp three, and you acclimate. You don't make the final push for a long time because you're not acclimated to the energy. So it's just like in golf. These guys are going to come out and play against the best players they've ever played. They're going to be playing more golf than they've ever played. Their bodies are going to be breaking down faster than they've ever broken down. They're going to have to learn that process of rest, which is the most important thing. And then, but they're going to have these times they've got to go back to base camp before they can go another step forward. And a lot of times in golf, the guy gets up to the tour, gets his tour card. I watched Lucas do this. He lost his tour card and has to go back to camp. He has to go back to Q school. That's what you do. He didn't fail, but when he got back on, then he won, right? And a lot of guys come back and they get on tour and they lose their card. And that's a bad term because when you're, they lose their card and they go, you know what? I'm not doing something right. So the guy that got me here, the teacher, I'm going to find me a new teacher. It's got to be a better teacher. You know, it's probably the caddy. <laughs> probably the agent I mean I see that happen um, it's probably the it's something they don't even understand what they're actually the game they're playing the game is not a straight run to the top and there are some guys that have had straight runs to the top we watched Jordan speak I mean he had a, he ran from he went to base camp and didn't stop went to the top of Everest took a bunch of pictures and came back down but he's now come back down because it happens 
But it's not a reason it's like I'm doing something wrong. It is the nature of the damn game, right? And so it's not, the game's not going to change. People are not going to change the way the game happens. I mean, Nicholas didn't win every event. Tiger hadn't won every event. I mean, Tiger still hadn't won what percentage of times. <laughs> He's gotten beat a lot. It, it's the nature of the game. So it's like they don't, you cannot react to going back to base camp to reacclimate as though you're doing something wrong. It's the way it works. And that's that's just the way I look at it. The mistakes are always finding something wrong when there's nothing wrong. It's just it's, it's the way the game is. It's funny you brought up Jordan. One of the best pieces of advice I ever got teaching, use it all the time, was Cameron McCormick told me once, it's always better to underreact than overreact. And I've, well always, and, and, I, and I've always thought that was a really good piece of advice. was like, because I think it's real easy to react to every tournament or every round yeah. or every month of golf. Think or a I year. suck or, or a year, year right? Year. I'm not doing shit right. I suck. I'm not any good. Whereas I think if you have a plan and you stick with it and everybody on the team knows where you're going, then a bad week or a bad month doesn't doesn't seem a as bad. A bad year doesn't mean anything. And that's, I think that's where it all comes from. You watch these guys. I mean, Jordan had no – I mean, he couldn't come out and say, hey, I'm not going to win these majors right off the bat. I'm not going to win the Fed. I mean, he just went and did it. But it doesn't change the nature of the game. It's not going to – everyone has to go back to base camp. And that's – you know, I think that's where he is right now. I think everybody's like, he's done. I'm like, well, he's still top 70 in the world. You know how that good that is? I mean, he's not – he's just in that – he's just in that lower dip right now. But that's what I hate to see is guys – to panic. You're already good enough to get on tour. You're not doing anything wrong. It's just a matter of timing, patience, you said it, and let it happen when it happens. Now we shift to the newest member of the fam, oh, Xander Lozano, who, who's on. made a huge impression on us this week. So Xander, you Latin, Canadian tour, obviously not a lot going on with that right now. Right. So you're contemplating, which we're not going to let you retire, but you've contemplated that. But uh, they call that quitting now. They call that quitting now. We're not going to let you quit. Call it what you want. (laughs) We're not going to let you quit. What What are some of the things you've learned out there traveling, playing in Canada and Latin, that you think prepares you for playing at the next level? Oh man, Uh, probably the biggest thing is time management. If you don't know how to manage your time out there, as far as practice rounds go, booking flights, everything like that, then you're not going to be ready to play. I mean, as far as from my personal experience go we usually get in around either at night on sunday night or monday night and we go play and it was really tough for me the first year because i can had conditional status and there was i get two days in advance notice and you get out there and i wouldn't even play a practice round i play blind so getting full status on any tour is huge knowing that you can plan your schedule and then be able to play practice round practice get the speed of the greens whatever it is that you need to do to play well i think time management's the biggest thing that you can possibly have out there and you know it's interesting so we've mac we've talked gone around the table a bunch and we've talked about things and mistakes and things people could do and not one person has mentioned anything about their golf swing and yet if you ask most people like well what do you got to do to get to the pga tour or what do you have to do to play professional golf Everybody be like, I got to make my golf swing better. I've got to be a better ball striker. And yet, you know, we've talked to some people, and Chris, you're in that category. I think you're, I mean, 
it's not your golf swing, right? That you have to get better at it. Everything outside of golf has to be set to play. Yeah, right? I mean, don't you think that's a big part? The on-course stuff these guys have got. It's the right. The on-course stuff these guys have got. It's all the distractions off the course that tend to draw people in different directions, good or bad. I mean, if your distraction is going to work out and your distraction is to go do the right things. And I always tell people, it's like, what's the most important thing to throw golf? And I go, rest. <laughs> to get your rest. Because it's tough not to hit balls and practice all the time. If you think, if I don't, I'm not going to get better. I told that, I told that to him at uh, Colonial, right? It's so easy first couple times out to want to play 18 holes every day because oh, you're getting yeah. asked to play with people. Oh, yeah. But, like, it's not good for performance, it's, right? You yeah. need to be rested. And Luke I'm, just came up to me. He was like, what are you about to go do? And I'd, I'd already played nine that day. And uh, I said, I'm going to play nine more. I'm going to play with, I don't know who it was, Phil or somebody. And he, he just looks at me, shakes his head, and says, it's a long week. Like, what's he talking about? <laughs> like, I play 18 holes every day. It's not going to affect me. After the week, I knew what he was talking about. And um, I think that's going to be huge going forward. It's, like I said earlier, to learn those kind of things, and uh, you don't really know until you play two or three weeks in a row on tour, which some guys play six, seven weeks in a row. Some guys have played every event since the restart. I mean, I can't imagine what they're going through physically and mentally. Probably mentally. more mentally than Our mentally. good buddy Rick Lamb. Mentally. Yeah, Rick, Rick Lamb's Rick's been, played everything. He's played yep. everything since they restarted. Yeah. And he didn't play good this past couple weeks. And I texted him, you know, you okay? How you hitting it? And his reply was, it's not you, man. I'm exhausted. Yeah. I need a rest, right? Yep. And, like, you know, as a coach, we're always reacting to the score a little bit. It's hard to not feel bad for them or what can we do. But sometimes, shit, sometimes you're just tired. Yeah. You know? <laughs> a lot of times you're tired. Yeah. Right? How do you help guys, Mac, as a, as a performance coach? or an age, How do you help young people understand that? Because when they're young, the first, like I remember the first time I went to a U.S. Open, it was at Pinehurst. You remember Sam Love, Smiley was there, Robbie Shelton was an yep. amateur. Yep. yep. And everybody wanted to play 18 holes every day. Since they had to play 18 holes every day, I had to go 18 holes every day. I mean, I'm fat and old. <laughs> I mean, like, I was like, shit, we need a rest. Like, how do you help them understand that? You know what? You, you know, I go back to raising children. Children don't do what you say. They do what they see. And I have to let these guys. You can be taught, but you will learn, right? I try to, like, go play with Lucas Glover. Go play with these guys that have been successful. Watch what they do. Learn from what. Watch what they do. I can sit there all day and say, look, do not play more nine holes at Augusta the week of the Masters. And they're going to be like, I'm at the Masters. I'm playing 18. I may play 27 because you said that. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, play nine holes, go home, eat a good meal, enjoy yourself. It's going to be a long week. But I, as I say, they have to learn it. They're not going to be taught. And I, I try to encourage them to go play with good players. Watch what they do, how they practice, how they play practice rounds. Watch their caddies. Watch how they interact with their caddies. All that stuff is going to blend in to how they're going to play. But you essentially have to send them out into the world, and they will figure it out, right? right. Or they don't. Or then they, they start reacting like, you know, I'm, I'm, I played five weeks in a row, and I'm, now I'm playing bad, and I'm, I want a new teacher. I'm like, what you need a new is a new bed. Go sleep somewhere for like a week and come back and see us, right? It's the hardest thing to do is to understand the reason you're out there is because you have a natural talent. You just have to let the talent happen. Right. The other stuff is what they should be paying attention to. You know, like how much guys eat on, you know, how much you eat on, on the course. You know, when guys come out of college, I ask them, they go, I eat a bar. 
And like, there's guys eating something every hole. Yeah. They eat so much, and no one realizes. They come out of college like, well, I'll get a, I'll get a Gatorade at the turn. I'm like, no, these guys are drinking water every hole. They're eating. They're chewing on something like the entire round because they know. I mean, they burning. start to learn how much your fuel you're burning and energy, exactly. And so, but. I can talk to them blue in my face. I will always say it, but they'll always come to me and go, man, you were right about that. <laughs> Whatever it is. I'm like, well, I wasn't right. I've just seen it. I know what's going to happen. And you're going to wear yourself out, and you're going to hate the game. And then all of a sudden, you're going to like, no, nah, I don't know if I want to play it anymore. I'm like, you were meant to play the game. You wouldn't be out there. How do you not do that? Xander. Xander. <laughs> so, Andy, you've played a bunch of practice rounds with tour players. Hmm? Yeah. You know, guys that are established, played with some big name guys. What are some of the things you picked up on and watched? I mean, maybe not their probably not their games, but more how they process things, how they handle things, what things they do. Yeah, I mean, I, th- I think like we said earlier, the biggest thing is they have a plan for every day. They know exactly what they're going to do, how many holes they're going to play, some of them even how many balls they're going to hit, how long they're going to spend on the chipping green, how long they're going to spend on the putting green. They do the drills and they're out. Like we played with Lucas at Hilton Head. You walked with us. He was nine under through seven. <laughs> he wouldn't play the back nine. I mean, he had course record on lock. He started birdie, double eagle, birdie par, birdie, birdie. Bill was threatening to make him play the back <laughs> yeah. nine. He was like, Bill was, we're on 9T, and Bill's like, if you birdie nine, we're playing the he back. He would have been 10 under through nine. Right, and, and Andy's like, yeah, we're going. <laughs> Coop is the only one, Coop, this. that said, I'm going home and booking my airplane ticket home because we're going to miss the cut. <laughs> yeah, exactly. exactly what Coop says. <laughs> when we play this good on Tuesday. But, I mean, yeah, if, if I can promise you if an amateur player is nine under through seven at Hilton Head, they're finishing that round. 100%. But Lucas didn't even care. I mean, he knew what he was going to do that day, and he stuck to it, and and that's why he's a professional and done well. So I think uh, now I look at a guy like Ron. He just would drop in the middle of the fairway, hit a shot, but he'd shift around every green because his goal that day was to work on chipping. He'd shift and shift and shift and shift and hit bunker shots and won the tournament. I mean, he had a goal for that day. He didn't care about playing nine, didn't care how he was playing. Obviously, he was playing pretty good. But all he was worried about was chipping around the greens and getting the speed of all the chips and the different lies out of the rough and how the bunkers were reacting. So I just think playing is huge every day that you're out there. Emilio, you've been around. What are some of the things you're picking up and learning? Well, you guys have said it perfectly. Um, I think it's really important to... I normally do say it perfectly. I was talking about Andy, but okay. (laughs) Um, general. <laughs> general. General. When he puts the sunglasses or the eyeglasses on, I'm like, yeah. damn, that's fucking No, how you prepare for events. I think you have to be aware of taking care of those little things that matter a lot at the long run. Uh, once you really focus on what's important to keep your body ready. You, I mean, this is a career that wears you out, you know? It's a season that doesn't end. Like, you finish the playoffs in the middle of September and you start again in October, you know? Like, there's not really an off-season out here. you got to be able to handle that, you know? I mean, if you're going to have a long week or you you have three, four starts ahead of you that you have to play, like, you got to prepare for that, you know? And I think that's a big part of being physically ready, mentally ready, and just having that big team surrounding you to be able to prepare for yourself for that. So, Xander, what do you feel like? Yeah, I know you've contemplated not playing. Right. What do you feel like you have to get better at to make it all the way to the PGA Tour? 
and what can we help you do to get there? Well, I mean, everything that y'all just talked about is everything that you prepare for off the course as far as, especially what Andy said, I mean, being whatever, nine under through seven or whatever Lucas was, and you're like, dang, I want to play the back. But you know that if you play the back and you make this Sunday, those final nine holes, that can affect you if you didn't get your rest did whatever you need to do in order for your body to be prepared for those last nine holes. I think that's the biggest thing is knowing what to do off the course and knowing if you need to play nine holes every day and that's it, or you just need to hit some balls on Tuesday, Wednesday, not going all out 100% before the round, before the tournament starts, then that's what you need to do. Jackson, any thoughts? I love it. I was going to take a page from Lucas and what you guys were talking about with mental exhaustion and what he does with decision fatigue and why he wears the same gray pants and uses the same belt week in and week out so he doesn't it's just another decision that he doesn't have to worry about. Decision, decision fatigue. fatigue. Uh-huh. Wow. Same thing that the CEO of uh, Amazon does, that uh, Jeff Bezos. Like if he has, like if he has an important meeting that's coming up, like it's like two o'clock, three o'clock. He's like, let's do it tomorrow at ten a.m. Doesn't even do it. He's like, because I've already made a bunch of decisions that day. Whatever's going on, I'm probably not going to make a de- good decision. We'll just table it for tomorrow. That's why they're leaders. And that's and like that's why Lucas wears gray pants. Doesn't have to think about it. He does wear a lot of gray pants. <laughs> decision fatigue. Now you'll see him wear a khaki short every now and then in a practice round. You won't see khakis a lot. <laughs> no, no, no. He's, yeah. Yeah. No. No. Well, I could wear his khaki pants up because I'm a khaki guy. I'm a khaki guy. You better do more 20 minutes. Kobe's not going to wear his pants. <laughs> All right, so I'm on the 20-minute-a-day program with Kobe. Yeah. I'm, my goal is to get into Lucas's pants. There you go. There you go. That Absolutely. sounded bad. Yeah, that did. <laughs> Edit, please. Cordy will edit that. Cordy will edit that. Yeah. That'll get us a whole new sponsorship realm. We're talking about getting ready for tournaments, so, you know, like, if you watch an an NFL team, they play a regular season game, and they get on the plane by themselves with their trainers and coaches. They stay in a hotel, and they can play a game. They get all the way to the Super Bowl. And the week of the Super Bowl, even if it's in their hometown, all the players have to pack up and go stay in a hotel. Right. No family, with their trainers, with their teammates, and that's what they go to war with at the Super Bowl. And this is what I always say about the PJ Tour. You know, these guys kind of get in opposite sometimes. You go to Augusta, and I think <laughs> we've talked about this before. It's the opposite of going to the Super Bowl. It's like, no, we're going to invite more distractions in their lives. We're going to have <laughs> everybody come in, and let's just make this is just the most incredible thing ever. And I'm like, that's the Super Bowl. That's the time you lock down with your team. You don't come out until the game's over. And I've always, I've always said, to guys, look, go win the Masters, and then every year after that, you can throw the biggest house party you've ever thrown the rest of your life. You can buy a house in Augusta just for the fact that you can do that. But I go, don't like squander it, but not paying attention that this is your Super Bowl. And and again, I, and that sounds critical, but I I watch every year Agree these thousands. things like the fights for tickets from families and the, the, who's getting to come and, and like and this player whether he knows it or not he's absorbing it and but again you know I can only say guys got to learn it right and 
So these are just, you know, I go to my talent minus distractions equals performance. It never fails. And that's why kids come out of college. they got almost no distractions. And they are just golf. And then they add them on. And they're not all bad, but you have to manage them. Right. You can't get rid of them, right? But these are things they learn. And that's the hardest thing is to watch a guy go, he went to college as a freshman, came out as a senior. What was the difference in those years? And they'll tell you, oh, my gosh, freshman to senior, unbelievable. Well, why wouldn't the first four years as a pro be the same thing? You come in and green, and you kind of grow into it, and then you learn it, and you join a fraternity. Um, <laughs> but those are the things that it's just to have them say, look, just relax. Just, just going to take time. Right? Never forget, I was at Phoenix, and Colby and I were standing on the putting green, and we were having this conversation about a player, and he said the exact same thing. He goes, I mean, in football, they put the wives and the girlfriends in a box as far away from the field as you can get because we don't want them arguing over a courtesy car who's going to go shopping. Yep. Right? Yep. Yeah. But yet – you know, we've been there. We've been I, there. I've, I know we've had practice rounds interrupted because somebody needs a car, or and it sounds right. Like Mom I, and dad want to go like to a I'm party. Being, sounds like I'm shit. being anti-family, and everybody. I've had guys get mad at me and go, "You're anti this." And I'm like, "No, no. Look, I just know how short your career is. I'm the one that knows how. I've done this for 30 years. I know how short your career is. Even if it lasts 25 years, I know how short it is." I want you to make the most of every time you get to tee it up in a program. Yep. Not take it for granted. And that's, and you know, I've had people get mad. I mean, seriously, get mad at me. So they do and know. say that I'm against them. I'm like, no, I'm for you. I promise. I am like, I want you to win every tournament you play. It. But golfers, to me, as we kind of wrap it up, approach it the opposite way. You've talked a bunch of times about how baseball, some of these guys would be in double A, right? Never playing in a major league. But they also, and then all, same deal though, when it comes to preparation, if you're the Saints, you know, or whatever, you, like, you know, like the Saints right now with Corona have everybody sequestered in a bubble and they just stay to themselves because it's all business, right? Yeah. Golfers are the opposite, right? Some, they, sometimes. A lot of are. times. Some of them are. Right. I look at the guys at the top. Yeah. Look at the guys at the top. They've got something figured out for sure. So they, but again, it's like I'm not against people coming and enjoying what is happening in pro golf. Like, but if you realized how few events that you're really going to have a chance to win as a pro, you would take every chance you get a lot more serious than you would. It's not a vacation. And again, I'm not being mean. I love nothing better than guys to have a great time with their families. But go win three events and then go to Hawaii for two weeks. <laughs> right? Don't combine them. And people go, it doesn't bother. I've had so many guys go, it doesn't bother me. And I'm like, oh, no, no. Did you win? <laughs> it bothered you. <laughs> if you win and you tell me it didn't bother you, I'm like, well, it didn't bother you. But don't finish 23rd and tell me it didn't bother you. Right. Because, and again, I'm not judging. I'm just, I watched it. Just being honest. Right, yep. Which it is gets, what we get paid. Which is what I get in trouble for. Yep. Guys, gets me fired faster than anything. This was awesome. We knocked out a good little podcast here on the back porch above us. Obviously, everybody can hear everybody's having fun. Andy, best of luck coming up. I know we'll yeah. get you on again. Yeah, for sure. Chris, thanks for sitting in. Emilio, best of luck. Chris, starting your, your planes. You got some pro events coming up. Yes, yeah, sir. Right? Yeah. Jackson, as always, thanks for sitting in. Xander, newest to the fam. Hey, give him a shout out. Xander, we're going to make you. Xander, you're returning to pro golf. Yeah. Say it here. 
I'm returning to pro golf. There we go. You not, we're not going to let it out. There we go. Yeah. See you in Kansas. Yeah. Can't forget, we got Hank Miner Jr. here. He's probably the 16 year old that's going to have to drive us home (laughs) in a school bus. He has a license, right? (laughs) He's he's driving me back to Mobile tomorrow. So, anyways, but uh, anyway, appreciate everybody sitting in at Bubba's. And uh, we'll be back next week with another tour coach and another gummy. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of The Tour Coach with Tony Ruggiero. If you enjoyed this, make sure to hit subscribe, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, wherever you are listening to this podcast. You can stay up to date because we have weekly episodes coming your way with fascinating people in the world of golf instruction at the highest level. Make sure to subscribe and stay tuned. If you want to learn more about Tony, head over to dosweepersgolf.com to get all the details on what he's up to. Maybe you want to see him, grab a lesson, or go to one of his camps, pick up his book, Lessons from the Legends. You can do that there. If you want to see Tony in action with some videos and other content, head over to golfsciencelab.com slash Tony to get more info there. This episode was powered by the Golf Science Lab and was edited, mixed, and produced by Just Hit Published Productions. As we go into year two of the tour coach, it wouldn't be possible without the support of all our sponsors. And I've had some great ones. And one of the things that I'm most proud of in my career and in my business is the fact that all of my relationships here and all these sponsorships have been long time, long withstanding relationships, haven't jumped from sponsor to sponsor and manufacturer to manufacturer. And I've always prided ourselves in special relationships and when people work together, support each other, and we've all put out great products for the benefits of everybody else. So I want to give a special thanks to these folks that have been with me for such a long time. And that would be the folks at Shrixon, Cleveland Golf, and Zexio. Couldn't ask for a better manufacturer to be aligned with. And not only do they put out great product and great support, but they're first-class people and they believe in what we're doing here on the Tour Coach and with the Dew Sweepers and also Vineyard Vines. Ian, Shep, TJ, and all the folks at Vineyard Vines It's hard to keep me looking good, but they do a fantastic job. And they're like family. They support everything on the Dew Sweepers. And we're so proud to be affiliated with and support the folks at Vineyard Vines. So if you're out there, you're listening to the Tour Coach, please support our sponsors, Shrixon Cleveland Golf Zexio, as well as Vineyard Vines. And keep listening and keep enjoying hanging out with us here on the Tour Coach.